You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll hear about an effort to reach seniors in need of a vaccine by proactively calling them up on the phone. We have access to the voter file, so it's seniors that are registered to vote 65 and older. That was a couple weeks ago, and now that the eligibility criteria has expanded to 15 over, we're starting to call that group now. You know, hello. Would you like information on getting a vaccine or have you had trouble accessing a vaccine? And they'll usually say, uh, oh, I've, I've already gotten the vaccine or tell them where to get a, an appointment for a COVID vaccine. Or I'll tell them about the drop-in site. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. Before we get started... At the Public Press, which is Civic's parent organization, we've been working really hard during this pandemic to pursue angles we're not seeing much coverage of elsewhere, or to take a more systemic look at the issues that are surfacing in the headlines. The San Francisco Public Press is a nonprofit, and we're inspired by the public radio model. That's the idea that people who are able to support the work that we do so everyone can have access to it without paywalls or ads. If you think we're onto something, we'd very much appreciate if you could show your support. You can do that by going to sfpublicpress.org slash donate or by helping us get the word out about this show. Subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use or leave us a review. It really does help. So thanks. Half of San Francisco's population over the age of 16 has now received at least one dose of a coronavirus vaccine. And among seniors, in this case people 65 and older, 82% have gotten a shot. But one group of local organizers is concerned that there's more work to be done to reach seniors, especially in the area that the coronavirus pandemic has hit the hardest. Former state Senate candidate and public bank advocate Jackie Fielder recently launched a political action committee, Daybreak PAC, and she's shifted some campaign organizing infrastructure towards something other than politics. A few volunteers have now pivoted to phone banking for vaccine access. I talked with Jackie Fielder and with one such phone banker, Sayuri Falconer, about that initiative. So I understand that you have been both working to phone bank for, in this case, vaccine access and vaccine equity. Can you start by just saying a little bit about this work that you're doing? Why did you decide to start reaching out to people to see if they needed help getting a vaccine? Yeah, so we know that COVID has disproportionately impacted uh, communities of color uh, especially because of socioeconomic factors. And the the folks on my campaign, Vanessa and Rasheen, and also now on Daybreak Pack, um, are both from District 10, you know, Bayview, Hunters Point, uh, Viz Valley area of San Francisco. And we're thinking that, you know, we know that there are barriers for people to get tested. There are likely also barriers to get vaccinated. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we theorize that certain areas might be experiencing more barriers, even looking into like the, the kind of more granular, granular data when it comes to uh, census tracts. So we expected the Department of Public Health to, to publish that information by census tract as far as a proportion of people getting vaccinated. But we were actually we actually got that info by zip code instead, which, hmm. which kind of, it, it blurs a lot of the discrepancies even at the granular levels. So zip codes like 94124 can have massive community variation. 
Little Hollywood and, and Hunter's Point are extremely different. For example, median income in Little Hollywood is at least 28000 higher than in Hunter's Point. Um, and so we decided that we should apply our campaign and now pack infrastructure of phone banking to getting information out to uh, seniors that have not potentially not have gotten information about the vaccine. And we need to reach out to those folks, folks directly. So that's what we've been doing. So this is focused particularly on seniors, not just anybody in the neighborhoods um, where there might have been um, a higher impact of coronavirus. Correct. We're calling, we have access to the voter files. So it's seniors that are registered to vote 65 and older. And uh, that was, you know, that was a couple weeks ago. And now that the eligibility criteria has expanded to 15 over, we're starting to call that group now. So, Sayuri, so how does this work? Can you maybe walk us through a call? Yeah, we have uh, an interface that we that is called Universe that pulls up a, a voter's number. You hit the call button on your phone, and uh, there's a script that you're trained on, just like a salesperson, basically. But you tell them, you know, hello, would you like information on getting a vaccine or have you had trouble accessing a vaccine? And they'll usually say, uh, oh, I've, I've already gotten the vaccine, if they pick up, or they'll say, uh, I'll tell them where to get a, an appointment for a COVID vaccine, or I'll tell them about um, the drop-in site. And uh, once they have that information, then I ask them if there's anyone else in their household who has had trouble accessing a vaccine. And I let them know about the, the free muni program for if you have an appointment or if you're going to a drop-in site uh, for getting a vaccine. That way people... Uh, don't have uh, transportation as a barrier. And I also ask them about any other barriers that they might be facing, if that's uh, childcare or anything else like that. I direct them to um, the supervisor's email. So you are connecting people with supervisor, the, the supervisor's office, with Supervisor Siobhan Walton's office, um, if I understand correctly, and, and sort of handing people off to them. What happens? Why would somebody get handed off to to the supervisor's office what help can the supervisor provide that you can't on the phone and and um and how do you do that i think you said via email yeah so the the supervisor's office has more capacity about being able to connect people certain people have different barriers um any any other problems that is not you know just straightforward as getting on uni um so it's more like constituent kind of casework that they're able to, to better handle. Um, so that's what we've been doing. And basically we just say, you know, if you run into any problems at all, email your district supervisor um, and we give them that email. And then we follow up with the office to make sure that those people are followed up with. Yeah, that, that would be another question that, I mean, that's something else I was curious about. If Is there a way for you to know um, once you've gotten in touch with somebody whether or not later on they did in fact end up getting a vaccine if they had previously told you, yeah, I would like one, but I'm not really sure how to get it. Yeah. I mean, we'll check in with the supervisor's office and at that point we'll, we'll, you know, wait some time, but, but make sure that the office at least got in touch with them. And that's, that's kind of the, the limit that, that we have. Although we, we have a list of, of folks that we know needed some kind of help. Mm-hmm. And then 
the other thing is, I think for a lot of seniors, one of the big barriers to access has been that so much of the vaccine scheduling has to be done online, and they might not be as online as younger folks. So are they generally okay with being handed off via email? Or is there also a way for them to get in touch with their supervisor's office by phone? Yeah, we have the office of the the office's number as well. And so we're happy to to give that as well. But yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward. And that's the kind of stuff that the supervisor's office can help with. I'm also curious what people's general reactions are. I mean, do you do you introduce yourself when you first get on the phone? You said there's a script um, <laughs> and you have to make sure that people don't think that you're selling them something. How do you how do you right. make sure of that? How do you introduce yourself? And then, like, how do you start this conversation with somebody like wh- they're not expecting to get called about the vaccine? Right. No. And I do tell them, like, hi, my name is Sayuri. I'm a volunteer uh, that lets them know that, you know, I'm not being paid to to push anything i'm mm-hmm. just uh offering a uh a pipeline to something that they might not have access to previously and um you know i'm very formal with them i, I call them you know mr or miss by their last name mm-hmm. so that they know i'm not trying to be too friendly I'm just trying to <laughs> bridge a little gap in the neighborhood The other thing that comes to mind for me is that I think that there was some messaging from the Department of Public Health a while back, actually, saying, you know, be cautious of anybody who calls and offers you a vaccine because, you know, the Department of Public Health won't be calling you and offering you a vaccine. Um, Is there any suspicion that you're running into in terms of people being concerned that you might be a scammer? No, I don't Uh think. I don't think so. There's just, there's no room. I mean, they can just hang up or we're not trying to say anything that's not true. We're just telling them, you know, anyone who's eligible can schedule an appointment by calling the COVID hotline. Um, mm-hmm. There's also free vaccinations at the Southeast Health Center. And, you know, we're not the Southeast Health Center, so we can't give them vaccines and we don't have vaccine codes. We let mm-hmm. them know what the hours of operation are, where it's located, although most people know. Um, ask them if they have a way of getting there. Muni is offering free rides. So we don't have anything to, it's, it's pretty straightforward. In terms of getting people um, in Bayview Hunters Point vaccinated, it looks from the city's data like the city actually isn't doing too bad. Nearly 50% of people there have had at least one shot, which is pretty much on par with the city overall. But you have encountered a fair number of people who would like to get vaccinated and had some barriers to doing so. Can you walk me through the latest numbers? Yeah. So our total calls have been 769 calls made in two, uh, two two-hour sessions with our volunteers. And we'll make, the, make sure that this is a, an ongoing effort. But the percentage of the people that we got on the phone to answer the phone that needed help was 24%. Help as in they wanted to get a vaccine but needed information or had a more significant barrier. And so that was 38 people. And, you know, that's 38 lives. That's 38 people that didn't otherwise have that information or it wasn't in their face. Um, So the total number of people that referred to the supervisor's office for follow-up was 30. And again, like when it comes to this pandemic, it's it's not the proportion of lives that matters to 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 save and preserve. It's it's also the number. Those are mm. whole people. 
and we need to make sure that that everyone is is able to do that and and that requires calling people you know knocking on their door even potentially but um but yeah what are some of those barriers that people are facing when you when you say that you're referring them to get some help what kind of things do they need help with well like like i said before there's some sometimes well the example that Rashid gave was if they need child care for example that needs to be addressed and alerted to the, the supervisor i would imagine some other accessibility concerns might be like you know if they have a you know some kind of disability that prevents them from leaving the house or you know the reason we give a, a number for the COVID hotline is like you said laura the seniors have uh, the same kind of tech acumen that might that maybe a younger uh, generation might have so those are some of the concerns that we're trying to address mm-hmm. jackie did you want to add to that any other no i things? there's 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 also you know the data that we have is still developing and growing so i think we'll get to notice more patterns as we go go forward mm-hmm well, I'm curious if you could say a little bit more about what that data does show so far, um, because, again, in terms of racial equity, um, looking at, at the racial divide rather than neighborhood, I mean, San Francisco's Department of Public Health seems to be doing pretty well with vaccination equity. And actually, people of color are slightly overrepresented among people who have gotten the vaccine specifically from DPH compared with people of their respective races in the city overall. Is that also what you're seeing or are you seeing a different picture emerge from your data um we don't we don't connect the the data on that granular level we're just concerned mm-hmm. with the the number of contacts that need outreach um but i mean colloquially it seems like uh getting a ride is is a barrier mm-hmm. um so, and what Sayuri said earlier about mobility, like for disabled seniors. Um, so we we don't we're not we're not that equipped to track that data. And again, this is a super small sample size. Um, so yeah, I would be interested to see how those disparities track against not just vaccinations by DPH itself, but also the other larger sites and and all of the sites combined yeah yeah i mean i I was just saying that there's a little bit of overrepresentation actually um compared to parity with city population among people vaccinated by dph but if you look at all providers that shifts in the other direction yeah (laughs) and there's also this huge gap of like people whose uh whose race is unknown i think 20 percent of vaccines that have been distributed in san francisco by all providers it looks like the race is unknown so who knows in which category that goes and how that shifts the the equity factor there i'm speaking with jackie fielder founder of daybreak pack and sayuri falconer a phone bank volunteer about calling seniors in neighborhoods that have been deeply impacted by the coronavirus pandemic to make sure they're getting vaccinated if they want to i i also am curious it, to what degree um, you are working with the city and, and you have contact with the city because the city says that it has an ambassador program to train people in highly in- impacted communities to share information about the vaccine um, and that it's also providing of, you know, information about vaccines in a variety of culturally competent ways, including through different languages. Are, are you a, 
at all working with ambassadors from the city or or do you refer people to city resources ever? Um, the city resource that we refer people to is, I mean, the supervisor and mm-hmm. their district supervisor who has intimate knowledge of, of the specific district uh, resources available. And as far as working with ambassadors, you know, that's, that should exist and I'm, I'm glad it does. Um, but our specific kind of niche that we feel, I guess, is, is phone banking people. And I, I think that, you know, honestly, the, the city should have been phone banking people. And I know that they, they have gone door to door in, in some cases, um, but should have been phone making people a long time ago around vaccines or um, I haven't heard of it yet, but an easy idea is like a robocall to people in various different languages. You know, we don't have the capacity to do multiple languages uh, as we're still pretty grassroots. But, um, you know, in my opinion, all tactics, all hands on deck, no matter where it's coming from, as long as the information is accurate and obviously not scamming people. Right. Have you encountered any folks in your calls who've also been contacted by these city ambassadors or who have received information from the city, you know, other than from the supervisor's office about the vaccine and how to make an appointment? Sayuri? Uh, not that I have been told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't heard of that yet. One of the big questions for me is how do you anticipate this changing um, when... I think we can expect that the number of appointment slots is going to reduce um, when eligibility for the vaccine basically explodes. I think that's going to be next week because the state is going to be opening up eligibility a lot. Um, and and I know that you're reaching out primarily to seniors, but do you are you preparing for that at all in terms of the possibility of there being way more demand all of a sudden for the available appointments and, and doses? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, distribution is a whole nother, uh, and obviously just supply is a whole nother bear in itself. That's not really our, our role. That's, that's the role of the the state to be able to, to be everywhere. If we had the capacity, we would open a, a vaccine distribution center ourselves, like right in the district. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, that does exist, but, um, but yeah, that is a huge concern, and that's why we want to make sure that we give everyone the biggest chance possible to get ahead of that of that buildup. Right. Sayuri, do you have any thoughts about the impending expansion of eligibility? Um, well, that's a, a little bit of the reason why in the script it says, you know, is there anyone else in your household who's had trouble accessing a vaccine to kind of mm. cut down on on, um, you know, if there's uh, maybe someone in their 30s who's an, a ser- food service worker, those uh, resources still apply to them and they can get ahead of, you know, and I let them know, you know, vaccine eligibility is going to uh, get much bigger next week. So if you if you know anyone in your household who needs that, uh, that resource, then you can provide that for them. So that's part of the, uh, the call as well trying to have the most impact we can before the floodgates kind of open. 
Well, I'm actually curious if you're expecting to expand your operations as well. It sounds like you're already including some other folks besides seniors who you're specifically targeting in terms of trying to make sure that as many people as possible who are eligible get access. But once eligibility expands, do you expect to be expanding the range of people who you'll be contacting as well? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to start calling people 50 and over, and that's that's thousands of people in that particular part of the city. We can expand as, as much as our volunteers have capacity for. Um, so it depends on, on volunteer availability as well. How big is the operation right now? Um, we have about 12 volunteers regularly. Again, this is the early days of it, but we do see that this will be an ongoing need um, to get the information out there. But, um, but you know, hopefully there's also more, more sites, as you referred to earlier, more availability of appointments after we experience that initial flood of appointments. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm curious, there seems to me to be a lot of different volunteer efforts where people are stepping up to help get as many people vaccinated as possible. I mean, a little while back, I interviewed some folks from Vaccinate CA, for example, they're doing phone banking. um, But in their case, it's to identify vaccine locations and how many appointments are available so that it's easier for other people to navigate the system. I don't know of other efforts like yours, but how do you know you're not duplicating any efforts from, you know, the city or other volunteer groups to try and address vaccine equity? Yeah, I mean, there are, as I mentioned earlier, there were 38 people that needed info or appreciated uh, being being transferred to the supervisor's office. And seeing that they needed that transfer is enough proof for us that we still need to keep keep doing this work. Um, so I think even if people are double tapped, the more, the better. Right. Sayuri? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But even if, you know, people aren't obligated to pick up the phone, I don't think we're wasting anyone's time by letting them know about resources that uh, right. are available. And, um, you know, they can always hang up. Does that happen? Uh, not lately. <laughs> so that's another indicator that I think we're doing a good job. And uh, mm-hmm. if we see our numbers go down, then that'll that'll be good. And if we see them go up, that'll be good also because we'll be reaching more people. Yeah. I mean, in a sense, it's almost like you want to get to the point where people are sick of hearing about how they can get the vaccine and they're like, I already got it. I'm done. What what portion of people when you call them, roughly speaking, say, um, have already been vaccinated by the time you reach them? Um, well, of the ones who pick up the phone, uh, I've, I've actually only done one phone banking session of this kind, so mm-hmm. I would say maybe around half. Okay, not bad. That seems to be on par with what the, what the city is reporting overall anyway, so that, that makes a lot of sense. I think the, uh, the question I want to close on is um, how people can help if they want to help. Are there ways to get involved with your phone banking effort or are there other efforts that you think are valuable that you um, are looking for people to pitch in with? Yeah, I think I think there are plenty of, of opportunities wherever anyone is. And with this particular phone bank, we're all virtual, so it's happening on Zoom. Um, they can go to daybreakpack.org slash vaccines to sign up for our 
weekly Sunday, 5 to 7 p.m. or no, 4 to 6 p.m. phone bank. And is there anything else that either of you would like to say about vaccine phone banking that I didn't give you a chance to talk about? Uh, Just that we are not promoting ourselves or anyone. We're just giving information and it is a really rewarding experience. Sayuri, any last thoughts from you? Uh, Yeah, it's really rewarding. It's uh, really awesome to be a part of uh, this little bubbling community that Jackie has kind of set up and to use the infrastructure that we used on the campaign for uh, to help the city. Great. Well, thank you both for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. That was Jackie Fielder, executive director of Daybreak Pack, and Sayuri Falconer, a phone bank volunteer. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic. Civic is produced at KSFP LP 102.5 FM in San Francisco. Our theme music is by John Dillon. Our team includes producer and contributor Mel Baker and assistant producer Liana Wilcox. KSFP is a project of the San Francisco Public Press, a nonprofit investigative newsroom. Find our reporting at sfpublicpress.org. Thanks for listening.